0: that's it that was your cue what was my cue that right there you're supposed to say masterpiece audio theater presents masterpiece audio theater presents that's right then you say myths from around the world myths from around the world Okay, and a stranded in the middle of nowhere podcast A stranded in the middle of nowhere podcast? Well, where are we? How are we going to get home? I'm going to get scared Everything will be all right, trust me This is a continuation for the Dog Days of Podcasting 2022 Hello and welcome to Masterpiece Audio Theatre. Grab yourself a chair, sit around the fire. We're here with the 13th part of A Christmas Carol. This is the last bet right before the very end. We have a wee bet of the tiny part that you're going to get on Christmas Day, right? But this part here, we're on the third coast. Scrooge is getting a preview of what his life will turn out to be, or his death, if he doesn't change his ways. Well, let's find out how it hands. Merciful heavens, why is this? He recoiled in terror, for the scene had changed, and now he almost touched a bed, a bare, uncurtained bed, on which beneath a ragged sheet there lay something covered up which, though it was dumb, announced itself in an awful language. The room was very dark, too dark to be observed with any accuracy. Though Scrooge glanced around it in obedience to a secret impulse, anxious to know what kind of room it was, a pale light, rising in the outer air, fell straight upon the bed, and on it, plundered and bereft, unwatched, unwept, uncared for, was the body of this man. Scrooge glanced towards the phantom. Its steady hand was pointed to the head. The cover was so carelessly adjusted that the slightest raising of it, the motion of a finger upon Scrooge's part, would have disclosed the vase. He thought of it, felt how easy it would be to do so, and longed to do it, but had no more power to withdraw the veil than to dismiss the spectre at his side. Oh, cold, cold, rigid, dreadful death. Set up thine altar here, and dressed it with such terrors as thou hast at thy command. But of the loved, revered, and honoured head, Thou canst not turn one hair of thy dread purpose, or make one feature odious. It is not that thy hand is heavy, and will fall down when released. It is not that the heart and pulse are still, But that the hand was open, generous and true, The heart brave, warm, and tender, the pulse a man's. "'Strike, Shadow, strike, and see those great deeds spring from the wound, "'to sow the world with life immortal.' "'No voice produced these words in Scrooge's ears, "'and yet he heard them when he looked upon the bed. "'He thought, if this man could be raised up now, "'what would be his foremost thoughts? "'Avarice? Hard-dealing? Griping cares? "'They have brought him to a rich end, truly. "'He lay in the dark, empty house, "'with not a man, a woman, or a child, "'to say that he was kind to me in this or that.' or the memory of one kind word, I will be kind to him. A cat was tearing at the door, and there was a sound of gnawing rats at the hearthstone. What they wanted in the room of death, and why they were so relentless and disturbed, Scrooge did not dare to think. Spirit, he said, this is a fearful place. In leaving it, I shall not leave its lesson. Trust me, let's go. Still, the ghost pointed with an unmoved finger to the head. I understand ye. Scrooge returned. And I would do it if I could, but I have not the power, spirit. I have not the power. Again, it seemed to look upon him. If there is any person in the town who feels emotion caused by this man's death, said Scrooge, quite agonized. Show that person to me, spirit. I beseech you. The phantom spread its dark robe before him for a moment, like a wing, and withdrawing it, revealed a room by daylight where a mother and her child were. She was expecting someone. With anxious eagerness, for she walked up and down the room, started at every sound, looked out from the window, glanced at the clock, tried but in vain to work a needle, and could hardly bear the voices of her children in their play. At length the long-expected knock was heard. She hurried to the door and met her husband, a man whose face was careworn and depressed, though he was young. There was a remarkable expression in it now, a kind of serious delight of which he felt ashamed, and which he struggled to repress. He sat down to the dinner that had been hoarding for him by the fire, and, when she asked him faintly what news, which was not until after a long silence, he appeared embarrassed how to answer. Is it good, she said, or bad, to help him? Bad, he answered. Are we quite ruined? No, there is hope yet, Caroline. If he relents, she said amazed, there is. Nothing is past hope if such a miracle has happened. ''He is past relenting,'' said her husband. ''He is dead.'' She was a mild and patient creature, if her face spoke truth. But she was thankful in her soul to hear it, and she said so with clasped hands. She prayed forgiveness for the next moment, and was sorry. But the first was the emotion of her heart. What the half-drunken woman whom i told you of last night said to me when I tried to see him and obtain a week's delay, and what I thought was a mere excuse to avoid me turns out to have been quite true.'' He was not only very ill, but dying then. To whom will our debt be transferred? I don't know, but before that time we shall be ready with the money. And even though we are not, it would be bad fortune indeed to find so merciless a creditor and his successor. We may sleep tonight with light hearts, Caroline. (laughs) Yes, softened as they would, their hearts were lighter. The children's faces, hushed and clustered around to hear what they so little understood were brighter. And it was a happier house for this man's death the only emotion that the ghost could show him caused by the event was one of pleasure. Let me see some tenderness connected with a death, said Scrooge, or that dark chamber spirit which we left just now will be forever present to me. The ghost conducted him through several streets familiar to his feet, and as they went along, Scrooge looked here and there to find himself, but nowhere was he to be seen. They entered poor Bob Cratchit's house, the dwelling he had visited before, and found the mother and the children seated round the fire, very quiet. The noisy little Cratchits were there, as still as statues in one corner, and sat looking up at Peter, who had a book before him. The mother and her daughters were engaged in sewing, but surely they were very quiet. And he took the child and set him in the midst of them. Where had Scrooge heard those words? He had not dreamed them. The boy must have read them out as he and the spirit crossed the threshold. Why did he not go on? The mother laid her work upon the table and put her hand up to her face. The colour hurts my eyes, she said. The colour? Ah, oh, poor tiny Tim. They're better now again, said Cratchit's wife. Make some quick by candlelight, and I wouldn't show weak eyes to your father when he comes home for the world. It must be near his time. Pass it, rather. Peter answered, shutting up his book. But I think he has walked a little slower than he used these last few evenings, Mother. They were quiet again. At last she said, in a steady, cheerful voice, that only faltered once, I have known him to walk with. I have known him to walk with Tiny Tim upon his shoulder very fast indeed. And so have I, cried Peter, often. And so have I, exclaimed another. So had all. But he was very light to carry, she resumed, intent upon her work. And his father loved him so. I was no trouble, no trouble. And there your father is at the door. She hurried out to meet him, and little Bob and his comforter, he had need of it, poor fellow, came in. His tea was ready for him on the hob, and they all tried to help him to it most. Then the two young Cratchits got upon his knee, and laid each child a little cheek against his face, as if they said, "'Don't mind it, Father. We won't be grieved.' Bob was very cheerful with them and spoke pleasantly to all the family. He looked at the work upon the table and praised the industry and speed of Mrs. Cratchit and the girls. "'They would be done long before Sunday,' he said. "'Sunday? You had today, then, Robert,' said his wife. "'Yes, my dear,' returned Bob. "'I wish you could have gone.' It would have done you good to see how green a place it is, but you'll see it often. I promised him that I would walk there on a Sunday. My little, little child, cried Bob. My little child. He broke down all at once. He couldn't help it. If he could have helped it, he and his child would have been farther apart, perhaps, than they were he left the room and went upstairs to the room above, which was lighted cheerfully and hung with Christmas. There was a chair set close beside the child, and there were signs of someone having been there lately. Poor Bob sat down in it, and when he had thought a little and composed himself, he kissed the little face. He was reconciled to what had happened and went down again quite happy. They drew about the fire and talked, the girls and mother working still, Bob told them of the extraordinary kindness of Mr. Scrooge's nephew, whom he had scarcely seen but once, and who, meeting him in the street that day, and seeing that he looked a little,
1: just a little down, you know,
0: said Bob, inquired what had happened to distress him. On which, said Bob,
1: for he is
0: the pleasantest spoken gentleman you ever heard. I told him. I am heartily sorry for it, Mr. Cratchit, he said, and heartily sorry for your good wife. By the by, how he ever knew that, I don't know. No what, my dear? Why, that you were a good wife, replied Bob. Everybody knows that, said Peter. Very well observed, my boy, cried Bob. I hope they do. Heartily sorry, he said, for your good wife. If I can be of service to you in any way, he said, giving me his card, that's where I live. Pray, come to me. Now it wasn't, cried Bob, for the sake of anything he might be able to do for us, so much as for his kind way, that this was quite delightful. It certainly seemed as if he had known our tiny Tim and felt with us. I'm sure he's a good soul, said Mrs. Cratchit. You would be sure of it, my dear, returned Bob. If you saw and spoke to him, I shouldn't be at all surprised, mark what I say, if he got Peter a better situation. Only hear that, Peter, said Mrs Cratchit. And then, cried one of the girls, Peter will be keeping company with someone and setting up for himself. Get along with you, retorted Peter, grinning. It's just as likely as not, said Bob. One of these days, though there's plenty of time for that, my dear. But however and whenever we part from one another, I am sure we shall none of us forget poor tiny Tim, shall we? Or this first parting that there was among us. Never, father, cried they all. And I know, said Bob,
1: I know, my dears,
0: that when we recollect how patient and how mild he was, although he was a little, little child, We shall not quarrel easily among ourselves and forget poor Tiny Tim in doing it. No, never, father, they all cried again. I am very happy, said Little Bob. I am very happy. Mrs. Cratchit kissed him, his daughters kissed him, the two young Cratchits kissed him, and Peter and himself shook hands. Spirit of Tiny Tim, thy childish existence was from God. Spectre, said Scrooge. "'Something informs me that our parting moment is at hand. and know it, but I know not how. "'Tell me what man that was and whom we saw lying dead.' The ghost of Christmas yet to come conveyed him, as before, through a different time, he thought. Indeed, there seemed no order in these later visions, save for that they were in the future, into the resorts of businessmen, but showed him not himself.' Indeed, the spirit did not stay for anything, but went straight on, as to the end just desired, until besought by Scrooge to tarry for a moment. "'This cart,' said Scrooge, "'through which we hurry now, is where my place of occupation is, and has been for a length of time. I see the house. Let me behold when I shall be in the days to come!' The spirit stopped. The hand was pointed elsewhere. "'The house is yonder!' Scrooge exclaimed. "'Why do you point away?' The inexorable finger underwent no change. Scrooge hastened to the window of his office and looked in. It was an office still, but not his. The furniture was not the same, and the figure in the chair was not himself. The phantom pointed as before. He joined it once again and, wondering why and whither he had gone, accompanied it until they reached an iron gate. He paused to look around before entering a churchyard, here then. The wretched man, whose name he had now to learn, lay underneath the ground. It was a worthy place, walled in by houses, overrun by grasses and weeds. The growth of vegetation's death, not life choked up with too much burying. Fat with replete appetite, a worthy place. The spirit stood among the graves and pointed down to one. He advanced towards it trembling. The phantom was exactly as it had been, but he dreaded that he saw new meaning in its solemn shape. "'Before I draw nearer to that stone to which you point,' said Scrooge, "'answer me one question. "'Are these the shadows of things that will be, "'or are they shadows of the things that may be only?' "'Still the ghost pointed downwards to the grave by which it stood. "'Man's courses will foreshadow to certain ends, "'to which, if preserved in, they must lead,' said Scrooge. "'But if the courses be departed from, the ends will change.' Say, it is thus with thee what you show me. The spirit was immovable as ever. Scrooge crept towards it, trembling as he went, and following the finger read upon the stone of the neglected grave his own name, Ebenezer Scrooge. Ah, am I that man who lay upon the bed? He cried upon his knees. The finger pointed from the grave to him and back again, No, spirit! Oh, no, no! The finger was still there. Spirit! he cried, clutching at its robe. Hear me! I am not the man it was! I will not be the man! I must have been but for this intercourse! Why show this to me if I am past all hope? For the first time, the hand appeared to shake. Good spirit! he pursued, as down upon the ground he fell before it. Your nature intercedes for me and pities me. Assure me that I yet may change these shadows you've shown me by an altered life. The kind hand trembled. I will honor Christmas in my heart, and I will try to keep all this year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. So tell me I may sponge away the writings on this stone. In his agony, he caught the spectral hand. It sought to free himself, but he was strong in his entreaty and detained it. The spirit, stronger yet, repulsed him. Holding up his hands in a last prayer to have his fate reversed, he saw an alteration in the phantom's hood and dress. It shrunk, collapsed and dwindled down into a bedpost. studio's presentation of the myths from around the world a special dog days of podcasting contribution sound clips are from GarageBand and can be found in their samples library the stories that we have shared can be found at gutenberg.org we can be found on facebook on the masterpiece audio theater page on nimlast.org or you can email us at j at This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 Unported License. Thanks for joining us.